The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. No, it's wrong. Again, we have deceived you. It's not Sam Doran. It's Craig Sandler filling in for Sam this week. So just get over your disappointment and focus because we have a lot to talk about and not an enormous amount of time. So with me are Chris Lusinski, Katie Landon, and Matt Murphy, the inimitable staff of the Statehouse News Service, or at least a, um, a sizable chunk of it, here to review the week with our loyal subscribers and would-be subscribers. So, you guys, uh, this week was notable mainly for the release of a House budget, and that budget was notable mainly for what wasn't in it. What about this budget is the main takeaway, what surprised you, and what kind of policy debates or consequences does it set up for the future? Well, the, the speaker really foreshadowed this uh, early in the week when he uh, gave us a statement indicating that he was postponing the uh, revenue debate, or at least he didn't want to have the revenue debate until later in uh, 2019. We saw that reflected in the budget, and it was interesting to see uh, the House basically scrapping all new revenue proposals, including those put forward by Governor Charlie Baker. And we're not just talking about massive, uh, a big sales tax push or a big income tax hike, but even the little things that the governor proposed from excise taxes on vaping products to a opioid tax on manufacturers to help pay for treatment. No new revenues. Uh, they're hoping to have that later this year, but uh, we will see. They're hoping, but the, the fact is, why did they drop this out? When I saw no taxes. The first thing I thought was they're playing reindeer games with the Senate because if they propose taxes, the Senate can kind of have their way. But Chris, you were telling me uh, earlier today that you were uh, interested to see Senate Ways and Means Chairman Rodrigue's reaction uh, to the the House proposal. And he he was far from saying uh, we're disappointed we don't get the chance to do revenues. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, it, it, it's worth noting his reaction came sort of in between DeLeo setting out this timeline and the release of the way, House Ways and Means budget itself. But he said basically the same thing, that we just don't have time to consider new revenues, give those proposals the, the debate and investigation that they need to get them into the fiscal 2020 budget, and uh, instead outlined that as something he'd like to do a vague later this year. Now, this, of course, begs the question, why, if the governor (laughs) proposes a budget on January 27th, whatever it is, close to that, uh, at the end of January, why it's the middle of April, why is that not enough time to consider whether perhaps his taxes on vaping, opioids, the climate change taxing proposal, why is three months, do you guys have any real sense of why three months is not sufficient time to to think about whether new revenues are appropriate. I think we have to, one, go back to last summer when Democrats were probably thrown uh, or were thrown a big curveball when the Supreme Judicial Court knocked the millionaire's tax off the ballot. 
that had been their sort of panacea. They were counting on, uh, you know, a billion to two billion in new revenues. They didn't think they were going to have to have this big revenue debate in the new year. So that gets knocked off the ballot pretty much at the end of the session. They go into the elections. They come back this January. And the sense that I'm getting now is that they they kind of want to have this debate once uh, and not spread it out, not do a few taxes in the budget, come back and have a debate over much bigger, uh, larger revenue package later in the year, which is why I think you saw uh, the House budget order that they adopted on Wednesday. It foreclosed all debate uh, in the upcoming budget debate on sports betting, on online lottery. Right. They want to tackle this all at once, sort of rip the Band-Aid off and, and take that tough vote and probably do it this year before they move into an election year in 2020. That last point is really important. They presumably want to do it in the odd-numbered year. Katie, now we so is it reasonable to think? Can you imagine a scenario which would be unprecedented? A scenario in which they were to pass a massive tax bill at the end of this year, and then perhaps a supplemental budget for the purposes it's intended to fund. I'm thinking of, you know, combating opioids and obviously the climate change initiative that DeLeo has signed on. Baker, it's right there in the Baker budget. I mean, how exactly is this going to work that they're going to think revenues over and then they're going to pass what? That's a really good question, Craig. And we've seen, you know, um, as you mentioned, there's kind of a couple ideas out there now for how to how to fund climate change investments. There, there's the governor's bill, which he filed in the Senate to raise the um, mm-hmm. deeds tax, and yep. the speaker is looking towards an approach that involves borrowing instead. So I don't know if they're still looking to iron out maybe what to do there. But we've also seen um, notable in this bu- budget release this week is the idea of putting in more funding for education and waiting again to see how they develop the formula and what that, you know, long running debate finally wraps up with. So I think there might be kind of a sense of trying to get everyone or, you know, as close to everyone as you can develop a consensus on a whole host of things that might require new investments to see what those investments need to be and then work backwards to figure out how much you need to pay for. All right. Well, for the three listeners who are uninitiated, uh, uninitiated the formula means, uh, yeah, coming up with new tax dollars for education and then taking the larger pot and spread it around more equitably so that Weston doesn't ha- doesn't pay $24,000 per student and Fall River $14,000 per student. Matt, you wanted to say something. Well, I was just going to say, as we, we mentioned the 2020 election year and how you, you pointed out rightly that they probably want to take the vote in the odd-numbered year, but then that sets up a vote on an even-yeared budget that might look a lot better than <laughs> this year's budget. <laughs> and it depends on when they go. If they go to a gas tax or they go to congestion pricing or something like that. They can delay the implementation for the start of fiscal 2020 in, yep. in, in July 1st, 2020. Uh, they pass a budget. It's got a lot of new spending, a lot of new programs. It Voters looks great are... in an election year. Maybe, right. maybe some people will have forgotten about the actual tax debate the year before, and, uh, and everyone uh, goes into the uh, election season happy. Yeah, usually when you, um, and I'll get to you in a second, Chris, but usually when you uh, propose these things, 
uh, it is declared, well, not proposed. Usually when you pass unpopular measures, it is declared by one group or the other, we'll see you at the ballot box. But then 13 months go by and somehow they're just not really either on the ballot or they're not at the ballot box. What were you going to say, Lucinski? And just, just speaking of timelines, circling back to a point that Matt made earlier about the fair share amendment, millionaire's tax, whatever you want to call it, right. that lawmakers had viewed last year as a real boon to, to revenues. The process that they're under now, the soonest that that could be implemented is 2023, correct me if I'm wrong here. So there's going to have to be some kind of debate and decision on these other revenue proposals in the short term, unless we're waiting four years for new revenues as a whole to do one gigantic package. Such a good point. And you covered the constitutional amendment hearing this week, right? Yep, yep. That was yesterday down uh, in Gardner Auditorium. Um, how many people said this is a stupid idea? I don't think anyone said it in quite those exact terms. We, <laughs> we did get some testimony from, from some business groups, some anti-tax groups, right. raising a lot of the points that they had raised previously, because this is something that's been the subject of debate for years now, warning that a higher surtax on the wealthy in Massachusetts, which by its constitution has a flat tax rate, would force people out of the state, would force job creators to go elsewhere and take part of the existing tax base with them. Um, but obviously, uh, that's that's not the, the only opinion there. Legislators have pretty overwhelmingly approved this in the past. I think that the, the past two constitutional conventions that this came out of, it came out with something like 70% support from the 200 lawmakers that were there. Um, so now it's just a matter of whether this different version that should theoretically face different legal challenges, a lower legal threshold, uh, can repeat that success. All right. So just to very quickly run down the big ticket items and the taxes uh, to pay for addressing them, uh, the, 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 the billion-dollar issues that we've been hearing about all year are transportation, education, and climate change. And so each one of them can be matched up with a tax proposal, although you, you, you don't want to do that sort of one-to-one -one matching. That's not the way it works. But those are the three... Um, you know, pressing needs that are very, very expensive. Just to recap that. Uh, we only have about a minute or two left, but I do want to ask you what other stories um, caught your eye. Well, stories don't catch you guys' eye. You go and you sit and you cover them and you write great stories. Um, but so what are a couple of the other um, uh, stories that, ha that uh, happened up here this week that people might want to double back on and, and check their news service to refresh their memories. One thing that's been going on lately is that we're really getting into the swing of, of committee hearing season and we're getting a lot of kind of the, the unfinished business from last session is coming back up, whether that be um, education funding, uh, distracted driving, um, yeah, hands-free. Yep. Uh, campus violence. Yep. Campus. campus sexual assault climate surveys. Um, got hearings the, on that. The ongoing battle of what to do about high prescription drug prices was back in the spotlight this Definitely. week. Definitely. Um, and that's something there's a huge amount of interest in um, doing something about this session, um, whatever ultimate vehicle emerges from committee. But we have definitely heard that before, right, Katie? I mean, did you get a sense of anything being different in that room when you when you covered it? Two, two dozen bills on transparency and caps on prescription drugs. Did you get any sense that things are, are changing? I mean, maybe not changing, but 
amplifying. There's a, a real growing frustration. And we've heard, you know, earlier this year from kind of na- the national perspective that there are dozens of bills being filed in, in many states. You know, this is an issue all over the country that's being addressed at the state level, um, despite kind of national it's it's a national issue. Yeah, well, these are national industries, but it's you know particularly in Massachusetts where the the biotech sector is such a big player. Matt, and we should note that the budget actually does take one of those steps. The House really adopting the governor's proposal to uh, allow Mass Health uh, to negotiate uh, drug prices in ways that they haven't been able to in the past, and setting up a process uh, potentially that would allow the state to step in and tell uh, drug manufacturers to keep or lower their prices uh, if if uh, they get too high and. Uh, the biotech industry certainly uh, pushing back a bit on the idea of price setting uh, in Massachusetts. Great. Well, go ahead, Katie. They're um, kind of dovetailing with what we've been talking about so far. The the Mass Biotech Council, um, in their pushback against us, they're saying, you know, the budget is not the place to do this kind of policy. Mm. We need to go through the legislative process. So that is kind of a, a theme so far. I want to put you on the spot before we get off the budget uh, just for a second, Matt, and that is you spend a certain amount of uh, time on the phone up there talking to the governor's people. You're well-sourced there. Did you hear any the, Did you hear any kind of what the heck from them that you can tell us about uh, when the House budget came out with no taxes at all? He put himself out there on taxes. We have a Republican governor now kind of looking at the Democrats saying, Please pass my tax increases. Did you hear anything quietly from the from the Baker people about that this week? They weren't too surprised, and there is some hope on some of the proposals. Katie earlier brought up the the deed excise tax thing to pay for climate change. That filed a separate legislation. They're still hopeful and optimistic about that. Uh, they were kind of expecting the House to downsize uh, the education proposal, uh, maybe put some more money in, drop a few of their other things, and, and, and not push forward with the taxes. So I, I don't think they were totally shocked by what came out on Wednesday. All right. And then I'll mention very quickly as we go that there is still no proposal for legalized sports betting generally in Massachusetts. There was in the Baker budget. There's $35 million that was going to pay for state programs. It's gone. The House says we'll do it when we do it. And we all know, you know, that's the sort of statement that has led to a four-year wait for an education form, uh, funding formula reform that still hasn't occurred. Do you guys feel, do you guys recognize this falling into that same pattern, legalized betting? Tell the truth. Well, one of the, the things that's different about sports betting as compared to, say, the, the state-specific issue of education funding is there are other states to compete with for the marketplace yes. here. And, um, you know, as we often hear on Beacon Hill and in this building, Massachusetts doesn't like to be in the middle of the pack. All right. Uh, Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they're pushing this off to some date uncertain this session, maybe this year, maybe next year, a bit surprising, especially after last year we heard from Joe Wagner, who uh, now no longer chair of economic development, but 
bumped up the leadership ladder to majority whip. He had been talking about, while they didn't want to rush into it right after the Supreme Court decision, like some states did, like New Jersey did, like Rhode Island did, that he wanted to be ready for uh, the beginning of the next session. And that is not the case now. We're talking much later down the line. Absolutely. Good uh, point. I think we thought that perhaps this could be an early session agenda item. All right. We have an endless willingness to sit around and talk about this stuff, but the listeners do not have an endless supply of time, and so we've got to leave it there until next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Chris Lisensky, Katie Landon, and Matt Murphy of the Statehouse News Service, thanks a lot. Thanks, Craig. Thanks. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service, and for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.